Hey everybody, welcome into the Letterman Lounge. Happy 4th of July, now 5th of July. America's birthday, a wonderful weekend, a national holiday, and it's always a holiday at Roosters for Letterman Live. Nicole Cox back with us this week, Jeremy Birmingham, Bobby Carpenter. Uh, pretty busy for the first week of July. Some recruiting news that may have uh, a bit. moved the needle a little bit. Uh, we'll get into that. It's linebackers week. I guess we can't just wait. Berm, what? Sunday, 4 o'clock, a seismic change in college football. Very exciting. Well, I don't know that I'd call it a seismic <laughs> change, but obviously for the the Buckeyes, it's a big win. It's two years' worth of work to land JT Tumaloa, the country's number one ranked player out of Seattle, Washington, another defensive end. So that adds him to Jack Sawyer in the class of 2021. And you're talking two of the top four ranked players in the country, both at the same position, five top ten players in the class of 2021 for Ohio State, which has never been done before. Um, it's just a testament to what they're building, and it was really always about Larry Johnson for JTT and, and Ryan Day and the coaching staff at Ohio State from top to bottom. It's not just a Larry Johnson thing. It's Brian Hartline being involved from his time when he was out with recruiting G. Scott. It's Tony Alford. It's Al Washington. It's, 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 a, it's a collective effort here, and it even goes to Ryan Day's family. I mean, the, the way that Nina and, and the kids connected with JTT's family was very important in this process, and for Ohio State, it was two years of just waiting, get on campus, get on campus, and for a lot of people out there, like, oh, well, how does this kid need to wait so long? Why is, well, why is he making it about him? Like, of course it's about him. It's the biggest decision of his life. And fortunately for Ohio State fans, he'll be, you know, suiting up with the Buckeyes. So let me ask you this, Burn. What time did the decision – I didn't watch it live. I know it was supposed to be four, but I thought it was delayed a little bit. I was at a Fourth of July party. Everybody's locked in and waiting, and they're like – Where's it? I'm like, it'll come up, believe me, when it happens. <laughs> yeah. If you follow anything Ohio State or college football related on social media, it will be a firestorm. And then I end up seeing one of my uh, friends end up letting me know. But what, what time did it actually come down? Was there a nice little uh, one of the One of the people delay? I talked to at Ohio State told me about 1.30 at that point that they were still in a belief it was a 50-50 proposition between Ohio State and Oregon. Um, after it was done, I was told that it was about an hour before the decision was made that, that he actually that, they've, that they found out okay so Iowa State found out an hour before do you think he had made the decision prior to that or is this something that was just going down to the line and I'll, <laughs> I'll figure it out on, on, the, on the 4th of July I think he probably did I mean as I talked about on the radio with you this morning Bob like there there was a lot of consternation around Buckeyes fans because after he made the official visit to Oregon he canceled the trip to Bama which we talked about here last week but I really believe that if he had not been scheduled to go directly from Ohio State to Oregon, which was the way that his travel plan set up, I think he would have canceled the Oregon visit. I really, I, I think that after he just needed to get home. He, he <laughs> had, right. I mean, that's the thing. He literally left the Columbus airport and, and flew straight to Oregon. Um, he had a layover in Denver, but you're not going to cancel a trip once you get to Denver. So it, it's not a situation where he had time to go home and sit down and decompress and go, hey, I don't need to make this trip. Oregon was the team for the last few months that had been pushing and making it more interesting. So I think it was just a matter of, of doing the due diligence at that point to realize that I got everything I thought I was going to get at Ohio State. I got everything that I, I thought they were about. And to have that validated on the visit, I don't think the, the Oregon visit was needed. I think it was just a matter of saying, let's just make sure. But if he had time to go home, I don't think he would have made so, that. So do they still sign letters of intent now in the NIL world? Like, how does that work? I yeah. mean, they it's do. so late. I mean, does he just show up and play? I mean, Well, that's the thing, Bob. Like, we've talked about this, you know, dating back 20 years. You don't have to sign it. If, you're, if you're 18, you don't have to sign a national letter of intent. Really? Yeah. No, you don't have to. Anybody that shows up, like, they they're, really to a they're really to lock you in place yeah. so that you know. But – for the kid, there's never been any advantage to doing it because you were giving up your rights. Now, 
doesn't matter now with the age of tr- free transfers and all this stuff. But yeah, there there was never a time like, well, we're just not gonna let you play for this football team if you happen to enroll at Ohio State and be on campus and be a football player. They always had that opportunity, but you know, it was the schools again. The NCAA, we've talked about them before, mm. like collectively agreeing that this this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna we're gonna enforce these. Uh, contracts that are really unenforceable in any other walk of life which yeah supreme court striking all this stuff down kids anyway. kids do sign a financial like obligation yeah. but that only binds the school at this point so jtt what he could have done conceivably and i'm surprised Signed he, with everyone he actually all. he actually didn't do that which is what i was told over the last couple of days like that was the plan initially but then it never happened so he was initially going to sign that financial aid and agreement with every school so whether it's Oregon or USC or Washington, Ohio State, Alabama, they would have been bound to him no matter what he chose. Um, but he didn't end up doing that, so he only signed one with Ohio State. So that's where things are. He's not going to sign a letter of intent from what I understand, but he is expected, at least on the Ohio State side, their belief is that he'll be here this week to start the, the July 6th class schedule and to start working out with the team. That's ultimately all that really matters. Nicole, how much attention do you pay to recruiting? Because I, I think – for me, I listen to Berm, and I know who they're recruiting, but it's never I'm, – I'm the guy that waits until they're on campus. Like, the recruiting process to me, I'm glad that Berm handles that for us. Yes, Berm, I, I do respect you so much and admire okay. you for the intelligence you have on all of this, but I definitely follow along on well, – That's not so over tell me, wait, tell, tell me No, more. it is. It's so much information. Tell me more about how great it is. I am, it is. It really is, guys. I mean, because it's the future of the team. Right. So um, I'm like you, though. I wait until I basically just look to berm. I'm like, okay, <laughs> so this is who we're getting. Great. That sounds good. So, But it is It is nice to know. Like, it's just it's a competition amongst all these schools. And to know that Ohio State landed um, JTT is very, very exciting. If you got to take five official visits, Nicole, Ooh. where would you have gone? Five Ooh, colleges anywhere in the country. I like that. <laughs> Oh my gosh, guys! You asked me too quick. Burn, where would you go? Nicole's gonna think about it. And make her list. Uh, I would go to Arizona State because Mill Mill Avenue is pretty. Awesome. Well, you can also take your visit to Arizona State whenever you want because there's no rules and they like to break them. And also, also true. So I'd take five there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, Arizona State would be one. Uh, Miami would probably one. What do you know about Phoenix anyway? Coral, I. I I once lived there. Oh, really? Coral Gables looks pretty nice. Um, I, I actually think I would take one to, to Notre Dame because I want to just – I think that the history there is pretty unique. Um, Bob, what? So, when are you going there, by the way? <laughs> In the summer. Okay. that's. I guess so. Yeah. When it's not – There's great. nothing to do there, by the way. Sure. You're on an official he, visit. He names – Miami and Phoenix, hey, and then number three. I, I want to mix in. Be really cool. To I want to mix South. Bend, I want to mix Indiana, in some serious baby. options. Here. I want to mix in some serious choices. I mean, you can't. Oh, I'm going to go to Hawaii. The Hawaii staff actually has a lot of kids who request to take official visits there. I'm sure. Uh, when they're committed elsewhere, and they tell them no, obviously, because they're like, we're not going to waste our time. Um, where else? Where else would you go? Pepperdine. You can only think of three places that you would. Visit. I mean, I you know I'd like to go a lot of places. I'd probably go to Texas. Austin's a pretty cool city. There you go. Mm-hmm. Now um, we're cooking. You know, uh, and definitely not USC. Yeah. Austin's a great campus. Austin. We went and looked there. It's uh, nice. Austin is nice. Austin's mm-hmm. the best. Thing is, Miami's campus is Let's super hear more tiny. About Austin. Miami's campus is super tiny. And yeah, but you're not really spending time on campus. Yeah, but no one except cares. at Notre Dame. No one cares <laughs> about you playing. F- like this isn't the '80s or '90s. Like the U doesn't matter anymore in my. But this is where I want to go, not where I want to go. 
to yeah, South but, Beach. Yeah, but you're not getting any special trip. <laughs> Bob, I there. need a vacation. I understand that. You just went to California. That wasn't a vacation. You chasing around high school dudes in a parking lot is vacation. To you. <laughs> All right. Uh, number five um, would have to definitely be Wyoming. Yeah, yeah that's a great choice. Wyoming. <laughs> Got to go to Laramie. It's a difficult visit to only make. Only because though. Laramie is the only city in America that I can think of that rhymes with Jeremy. Mm-hmm. Well, I, know, I, I really appreciate you calling it a city, but I don't think technically it counts with 23,000 people. Town. Uh, it, it's, it's a bit of a small town vibe. Very much like South Bend, Indiana. I would like. I just like to tell people beautiful. that I'm Jeremy from Laramie. I think it would be oh really God. like. I think you should. Yeah. Uh, from now on, that's actually. Let's actually good. schedule your visit right now, yeah. and I will take you around Laramie um, and Fort all Com- of the old haunts. Yeah. I need to get some endorsement deals out there. Although Roosters is the only one I need now. Bob, you, you only took two, right? Is I that four? You took four, okay. And should I? I'm waiting on my fifth. I'm trying to get that <laughs> scheduled up. Um, <laughs> I went to Northwestern, which was pretty cool because we had to go to downtown Chicago and like hang out there. So you want some big city living? There you go. South Bend is basically Chicago. Yeah, they're like oh, it's super close. Like an hour, two hours yeah, on the get train. on the train for two hours. That sounds awesome. Like that's what I want to do. Saturday or get night. in the traffic for two hours from Evanston. I mean, you can take the L though. Like it's another train. No, but it's it's like thirty minutes versus two hours. It's not even not even comparable. Maybe I maybe I like to read on a train. Yeah, because that happens. A little downtime. That happens late at night. I watched my drunk buddy fall on another dude coming back from a Wrigley Wrigley game, like because he was just sitting down. Let's not talk about Schlegel on this show. It wasn't Schlegel, but it it was phenomenal. But that's uh, I went to Northwestern, so Chicago, Michigan State, and these were all in the winter too, because they didn't have these warm warm time options. No spring and summertime visits, and then uh, Ohio State and North Carolina, which North Carolina. I would say Burn. Great campus. You might want to put that in the bag. Great campus. You know, I'm not sure if Notre Dame needs to make it. I did go there as, on an you unofficial. You went to every city that has gray skies like 90% of the time. East yeah. Lansing might be People the like what they like, Burn. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was when they were coming off. Bobby Williams was there. I mean, they had, uh, oh, goodness, uh, TJ Duckett, dude. I mean, they were, they were good. They were good. Like, Ohio State wasn't great when I was coming out. You know, the, the year before, they we lost to Illinois and were 8-3. and three. When Tress's first, maybe seven. You were an eight and three. seven and five. His first seven and year. five in Tress's first year. First six year and six in Cooper's last. Yeah, I mean, Steve Belsari just gotten a DUI. I'm at the game. They're starting Krenzel or McMullen, then Krenzel at Illinois blow a chance to win the Big Ten. I mean, not, not it wasn't a good scene, man. No, I, I came up here. It was nice. It was good. I had you a made good it. time. Yeah, you turned it around. But wow. I would go to Carolina. I'd go to probably Arizona State. Um, you just told us you took a visit to Carolina. You're not even going to change it? No, because okay. it was good. All right. Beautiful. Well, beautiful. If you beautiful had a great campus. time, why wouldn't you okay. double down? Yeah, sounds right. All right. <laughs> you do have that in hindsight. <laughs> I know exactly what I was going to get. And I'm going I'm to do that I'm again. I'm going to do it again. When you go to a restaurant and you get, you order something you like and it's good, you go back and get okay. the same thing over again. So I'm going to have a, a, double do, a double serving of Carolina, <laughs> probably go out to Arizona State. Um, Texas is good. I would probably throw a Texas in there. However... Texas Tech, Danny Amendola has assured me that Texas Tech is the superior campus for talent in the entirety of the state. For talent, yeah. So I would throw that that's, in there. That's code. Is if, and that's, then I, would, I mean, if that's, the, if that's the purpose, Ole Miss has to be probably a consideration. Yeah, but Ole Miss. Like, or Georgia. Georgia, another good place I would say would make that list. And then lastly, I might try to throw in uh, 
Oh, goodness. Maybe a Florida State. Because I think Florida State's got something going on there. Too. What about Auburn? Auburn's a beautiful. Auburn's in the middle of nowhere, though. But it's a beautiful cool. campus. It is beautiful. And they've got people that poison trees and go crazy and crazy <laughs> stuff. I really didn't pick Why any. do you hate trees, I didn't. Nicole? Outside of Georgia, I don't really need to go to any of the SEC schools. Yeah, once like, you go to one of like going to Lanc- It'd be like going, living in Lancaster, Ohio for college. But even but far worse. I mean, it'd be much smaller and there's nowhere to travel to. Yeah. Uh, Nicole's got her list now i did i wrote it down so i wouldn't forget um (laughs) nyu um just because of their school you know they don't play football there i love it yeah exactly going straight to the serious business right because it's about the business first it's the life after football guys life (laughs) after football um obviously ohio state which is where i went um I think it is a phenomenal campus that we take for granted and that's in our backyard. Right. Um, and Houston and Austin, Texas. So yeah. I was very impressed with um, when we went to, when we were in Austin and we went to, is it Texas University or University of Texas? University of Texas. Okay. I get, I get them confused, but it was, um, it was a beautiful campus and it was very well, exciting. Oklahoma the culture. likes to call them Texas University because mm-hmm. they get everything upside down there. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Got it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Two schools. Did you get four? NYU, um, Houston, Texas, Houston, mm-hmm. Austin, and then Northwestern as well. Western. Oh, Chicago. Big cities. I like the big cities. Everyone loves life on the lake. Mm-hmm. Great. It's nice um, in the summer. I'm sure. Beautiful facilities there that they've yeah, put they, hundreds of millions of dollars so that they can go eight and four and lose the Big Ten title game coming out of the West every other year. Wow. Fun for them. Uh, this week's Appetizer Tuesday, by Ooh. the way. When Bob was talking about getting something you like on the menu, fried, fried mushrooms. I already uh, had half of that basket before we started today, so I can verify that they're good. So come in good. this yes. week. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's linebacker week. Oh, boy. What do you know about that group? Al Washington is their coach. <laughs> They've got a handful of seniors, a handful of young dudes, no one who's really played a lot of football at Ohio State. So trying to figure well, that so out. Well, so let me – are you concerned about this group when you look at that lack of experience? Uh, there is some concern because it's a high – it's a uh, high communication position. Now, these guys have been there. Like, Dallas Gant's been there a long time. And, you know, he, he gets – Taraj Mitchell, Mitchell's been there a long time. Like, these guys understand things. You know, Eichenberg's been there in a couple of years. But, like, they've been hurt or they've been playing mostly special teams. And – you just worry about the fact, like, they haven't been in these situations, high-pressure situations, where you need to get communication from the defensive line all the way back to the safeties, and it needs to be very fluid. Am I, am I comfortable with these guys as players? Yeah, the playing, but that, that's such a small piece of what you need to be able to do as a linebacker. So that's really more my concern. And I guess we'll probably find out pretty quickly with Oregon, I mean, how, how versed those guys are. Well, I mean, I think the Minnesota game, if you're looking at where they could – pose a threat for Ohio State. They've got a veteran quarterback yeah. and one of the best running backs in the country. Like Minnesota's offense is going to be fine. I think that they're pretty weak on the other side of the ball and have no chance of stopping the Buckeyes offense, but you know, just since we get to start talking about football again, I think that's a real deal is that Ohio State's probably going to find out in week 1 what they've got at linebacker. Yeah, it's it's extremely important because the secondary, despite the fact that it's a little more veteran, has a bunch of guys who haven't played a lot of football either. A lot of guys coming back from injury. You got the the Court Williams. You don't know if he's going to step in there. Josh Proctor, does he have the ability to to shore up that back end? And so those linebackers have to be great. And it, what we saw at Ohio State in the 2018 season, which is the worst defense that we've ever seen in the school history, aside from maybe last year uh, in those couple of games, but 
that 2018 group was really, really bad because the linebackers didn't know what they were doing. And I don't know if that was necessarily their fault all the time. Uh, they were obviously four sophomores and getting their first playing time. But now you have a lot of guys getting their first playing time again, and you don't have Chase Young and, and people like that to kind of save you. So um, you, you definitely wonder uh, how those guys step up. I think Dallas Gant did a really great job against Michigan State when he got a chance to fill in and start in that game. Uh, Trajan Mitchell, people just kind of waiting, waiting, waiting for him to become that impact player. The raw Dog, by the way. That's his nickname. But, you know, I think that there's a lot of young guys like like E-Raw. like Eichenberg, uh, <laughs> like Eichenberg, like Cody Simon. I think Cody Simon's going to be a, a star at Ohio State. I, it might happen sooner than he thought uh, because a lot of these other guys – haven't taken that opportunity away from him yet. So um, with those guys, I think Reed Carrico, the young guy coming yeah. in, makes an you know, he'll have an opportunity to play. And at this point, it's not a group that is so established that a young guy can't come in and, and become the leader of the group. And I think that in some ways that might be what Ohio State needs. Nicole, who's going to be the leader of that group? So I think just like you were saying in 2018 when the guys were, you know, when they were basically sophomores that were there, I think that the fact that Dallas Gant has been around, I feel he and has played in the Michigan State game last year and did pretty well that we should, I mean, I think that will be good, you know? I think that's better than having um, just a bunch of young guys that haven't had, because think about how much these kids just mature and grow just by learning through practice. I mean, that's all they do all day. So I think that we definitely, it'll look better than 2018. Um, but yeah, I think Dallas Gant's going to be our guy. I mean, Tuff was a captain in 2018 as a true sophomore, and that team was bad. <laughs> I mean, it was bad. So you, you wonder, if, if a guy like Dallas or Taraja doesn't step up and get put into that position, I don't think the Buckeyes are going to wait around long for them to, you know, blossom. I think they they, they better come out of the gate swinging because there are young guys like Eichenberg and Simon and, and Reed Carrico. Not many. I mean, that's still a relatively thin group, and that's why you look at Paulie. 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 Neo Teote. That guy. Because he's trying to get – I mean, he is on campus now. He's taking classes at Ohio State, but it is not a situation for him where he is instantly – on the team that Ohio State uh, will still have to have an NCAA waiver appeal process for him. The reason they're involved in a transfer situation is because there's just not a lot of depth behind there. Berm, you said there's three guys that you can name, but really after that it's like, okay, because there's injuries still. Yeah. Mitchell Melton's going to miss this year. So that's when they really need to go their way. You never know any anymore with this wild, wild west of the NCAA how that rule is going to go down. But he's taking classes. That obviously the intention is for him to transfer to Ohio State and help with the depth. Well, he's transferred to Ohio State. I mean, well, so whether, yes, whether as not, a student he is. Right, yes. Whether or not yeah. he's on the football team remains to be seen. But right. clearly when you're playing a long snapper at linebacker in the spring game, it's not because you just like to have a lot of fun in the spring game. Okay, It's, <laughs> it's because you you don't have players. Someone call Zach Bourne. Get him, on the phone. <laughs> Get him in there. It probably was more fun for McCullough than what he would normally be doing. Uh, he, he played fairly well at the position. I mean, all things considered, for a guy that was told the day okay. before. Here comes Bob. He, yeah. he was told the day before, <laughs> hey, you're going to play linebacker tomorrow. He didn't that's look great. like a they complete They should have just had Bob play in the spring game. No, that sounds now, that terrible. actually, if you did the spring game and did it like alumni versus current players in the second half, I think that would be actually a lot of fun. Arizona State, the school <laughs> you live, they used to do that. And I had a friend who played, and it was the last year the NCAA allowed it. I think it was like 98. That's a darn. And you could still do alumni. The spring, spring game was alumni versus current players. Would I you be it. in for that? Yeah, you just have to have a lot of subs. I mean, I'm in decent shape. I'd have to probably train a little more. Gosh, there's yeah, no, 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 you're in Woody been, every single day just, again. Just yeah. thud tempo. Just thud tempo. The, uh, if you're going to do it, you're going to take him to the ground, man. What are you talking about? You guys about? will. <laughs> 
I mean, I don't have a problem. Imagine with how that plays out. Travion Henderson tears his to ACL today. Is Bobby getting, Carpenter? If, rap- you get, if you're getting hurt by a 38 year old man, then you know what? It's probably not safe for you to be on the field in general. <laughs> touche, touche. Um, Nicole, before you go, yes. the next holiday. National July. Chicken Wing there Day. It is. Ooh, when's that? July 29th. Are there so, enough chicken wings in the country for so National that's Chicken Wing Day? Great question. That's what everybody wants to Unfortunately, we are going to, and not unfortunately, but it's going to be boneless this year because the, because of the chicken wing shortage. Bravo. So still National Chicken Wing Day. Chicken it's nugget, just the, chicken you know, the sister I love of the chicken wing. Boneless wings. Chicken mm-hmm. Nugget Day. Yeah. yeah. So boneless wings. Okay. Mm-hmm. And... You know, maybe you can line it up and get some Appetizer Tuesday stops in before then. Yes. Get get the ball rolling against fried mushrooms this week. Anything else that people need to know for Roosters in July? That's it, guys. Just That's come it. in and hang out. It's been it's been just packed. been a great month. Yeah, I think everybody's ready to get out, and it's been so great seeing everyone. Lots of smiles. Yeah. Great. Everybody's using their holiday weekend to get in here on Monday. Busy. George Kaufman just walking in. Hey, amazing. Every, everybody's Hi, here George. this week. <laughs> Our guy from Like Fire a phantom Auto. just appeared. <laughs> he's, he always carry, carry out, but he's got a beverage, all right? It's it's a holiday for everybody. Nicole, we're going to let you uh, go on with your day. We're going to talk a lot more about Berms weekend uh, in L.A. with the mm. recruiting going on. I know Bob loves to talk about those young dudes, but we'll be right back Come on, on Letterman Live. It's brought to you by Roosters. It's a fun casual joint. Roosters is one of the unique companies that we deal with. They're involved in everything we do, from our personal foundation to also the Cancer Research Fund. And that's from the Buckeye Cruise from Cancer to all the events leading up to the Buckeye Cruise. They donate back to different organizations that are near and dear to their heart. And we're so fortunate to have been with Roosters now for a long, long time. All the folks at Roosters are just genuinely kind folks, and they want to make a difference. Thank you, Roosters Foundation. Thank you, Roosters Foundation. Thank you, Roosters Foundation. Hey, everybody. Welcome back into the Letterman Lounge. This is Letterman Live. It's brought to you by Roosters. Come in tomorrow on Tuesday for some fried mushrooms. My basket is uh, now gone. Spencer Holbrook is in here replacing Nicole Cox so that we can talk about, again, more with JTT, but um, also another pickup on Monday, Berm, Brian Hartline. I guess he's pretty good at this recruiting thing, too. Yeah. So he ever lost a duel? I mean, that's, I think... Subjective. I mean, there's been players. He's like the Doc Holiday. There's been players. He, there's been players he's recruited that didn't end up at Ohio State, but and the, now he took over what uh, July of 2018. So here we are, July of 2021. He's not hosted an official visitor that has not committed to him. Lavar Ball didn't want. Never Dale. lost. Never Isn't lost. That the one that hurt him. <laughs> never <laughs> lost. Never lost. Wait a second. You might be right. I think Wandale. Wandale Robinson may may be the outlier there. I kind of forgot about him because that was year one. For that was Ireland. year one. Was that in 2019, though, or did he still have the interim tag in 2018? Ooh, full time. I know we had a picture that Berm took of Keenan Bailey, Brian Hartline, and Wandale like, doing some routes. Yeah, I'm going so to was, look into that. He was the interim, though, I believe, when Wandale officially visited. So we're not going to hold it against him. But if, you, if you're in a duel and you're interim gunslinger, yeah, they but shoot you. you still am, yeah, but amateur status, you can't even get your prize money at the end. I'll so. have to look into that. But either way, he doesn't lose very often. I mean, he goes down to Georgia and gets Kojo Antwi, the uh, number 15-ranked receiver, according to most of the composite rankings. Some people have him a little higher, some people a little lower. But, you know, it was a Georgia, Texas A&M, Alabama, USC, Ohio State battle. And I, when I talked to Kojo for uh, his commitment interview of, on Bermanology on Monday morning, oh. three months ago, and four months ago, this kid eliminated Ohio State. He was, he was like, oh, I'm going to commit and he was going to commit to texas a&m that week and had all but moved on from ohio state and heartline saw the the messaging basically the the post on 
from one of the Georgia sites saying that he was down to three schools and eliminated Ohio State. And within an hour, Kojo Antu is like, you know what, I'm not, I'm not eliminated Ohio State. I'm actually not going to commit this week. I mean, I think with, with what we're seeing at Ohio State, and, and this is not just Brian Hartline, between, between Tony Alford, between Corey Dennis, between Brian Hartline, um, uh, Al Washington, Kerry Combs, Matt Barnes, Larry Johnson, uh, Ryan Day, this is the best recruiting staff I've ever seen top to bottom. I mean, it is a bunch of guys who really understand how to not – it's not about sell selling anybody. It's about building relationships, and they're all very, very good at it. And that starts with Ryan Day because he is involved in every one of these recruitments. This is not a situation where in the past you'd have a player getting ready to commit, and that's when they'd have their first conversation with, with the coach. This is a guy who is involved every step of the way, and it makes a huge difference for these kids who realize that it's not just, oh, this is my position, coach. Ryan Day is, is making sure this kid knows that the entire program is recruiting him. And, it's, and so the Buckeyes are having coaches who will never coach that kid still be involved in his recruitment. And that, that makes a big difference. And then they come to campus, and they realize that it's not BS and that the same coaches that they didn't, oh, why is this coach talking to me, is still talking to him when he's on campus. Uh, it just really resonates with them in a different way. When you look at this, it seemed like when you two had been talking stuff about this next class that, it might just be three wide receivers, but things have changed a little bit with that room. Uh, there's no real depth to speak of, especially if you're going to lose Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson uh, after next year, Spencer. So they needed to get one more, and then, oh, look, Ryan Hartline just gets another four-star, no problem. Yeah, exactly. And you, we didn't really talk about as much Caleb Brown, who just committed as well. Like, yeah, three weeks ago. When, when was, he he wants- one, was he the one – was it him or Burton that made the comment like – if I can't go there and play, then I, I shouldn't be there. I shouldn't be playing football anyway. Was it him or Burton who made that? I think it was Caleb Brown. Caleb it Brown. It was Caleb Brown. Yeah. And so when you look at, at the room, they are going to need to replace some of these guys. What a, what a better way to do it than have a class that I'm going to put it on paper oh. in the next couple of weeks and try to compare it to this to 2020 class because I want to see how it stacks up. Maybe the, the right. ranking system doesn't quite stack up because all four of those guys were, I think, top 80 players. But when you look top to bottom, different body sizes, different types of receivers they are, this 2022 receiver class, if you keep them all in the same class, it's going to rival what they did in 2020, and that is incredible. The important thing is, as you mentioned, you're losing Chris Olave, you're losing Garrett Wilson. I mean, that, there's no one who or you might lose. He's gone. Gone, yeah. You know, put that out of your mind that he's going to come back. And then you you obviously just – Just a, just a fact. You, and then you lose, you know, uh, Jalen Harris and Elijah Gardner as far as the depth piece, and then you lose Jamison Williams and Mookie Cooper on the transfers. All of a sudden that room is down six guys from what you maybe thought it was going to be when you recruited a year ago. So now all of a sudden you have to do some restocking. But then on top of that, you also have to realize that Julian Fleming and Jackson Smith and Jigba are likely only here for one more year after this. So this – it's like, well, why do why do they recruit any position other than receiver? And I'm like, people are complaining all well, the time. You play three of them at right. a time so, and four now sometimes. So it's like second to offensive line volume wise. Is what there's there's a lot of random complaining from Buckeyes fans on like the social media comments. Of, oh, do they recruit any other position? But you have to you have to restock this room, and that's why. Uh, on top of that, I mean, Kerry Combs picked up a commitment in the last few days from Terrence Brooks, the cornerback from. Uh, why don't Texas. they recruit any other position other well, than secondary? Th- this is this is now five, obviously five defensive backs in this class. He wants seven. He recruited six a year ago. People, why, why? I mean, look at the room, man. Like lost a lot of guys. Read the room. There's not a lot of depth there at all. And these kids, Kerry Combs. I mean, he has an obligation and a responsibility to make sure that if he left Ohio State next year, that the coach that comes in next behind him isn't in the position that he was. Is that in breaking with. news? No. Okay. I'm just that's what we call a hypothetical situation. I mean, it seems like a pretty specific hypothetical. Wow, it's very, very specific, Bob. The other well, part. Thank you. 
I was talking to somebody about this uh, recently Thank at you. Ohio State that when you're looking at the depth chart, you know, Brian Hartline could say, I'm fine for Saturday. You're going to rotate six guys, and they've got six guys, and they're all very good. But that there, there was some concern about the depth that they would may, be, may need to add in the summer or find walk-ons or something else. You need people you to need practice. Friday. Yeah. yeah, you need guys to practice. With. Yeah. Receivers and defensive backs in college football, these guys are running like six, seven miles of practice. And so you, you want to make sure you're tapering that down by the end of the week. And so you, because here's the thing. like They're going to expect some of the Thank you. You know, four, five, and six guys to get reps on with the scout team to make sure they're giving a good look mm-hmm. to the defense. And so you're having those guys do some double duty there, and they're going to have to come in and play. It's not like they're just warm bodies that you're throwing out there. They come in, they may be in their third and seven and expected to go make a play. And that's if everybody stays healthy and there's not a rolled ankle here, something happens here, a guy gets a concussion, whatever it is. Something like that. Now you're done five. Mm-hmm. And so all of those issues, and you can't practice with that guy, which is the bigger part. So you know, I, was, I was talking to Hartline about this. I didn't even think. I'm like, man, you've got the best probably six-man depth you're going to find. He's like, yeah, but after that, there's really nobody. He's like, we have nobody like that we're developing slowly. So that's, that's a piece of it. And also when you have the guys that are that good, a lot of these are going to be on three-year turnovers because they're going to be leaving early. But in the ones that aren't are still probably leaving after three yes. years because they, <laughs> they are going to be in an era where you can transfer freely. And at this point, at a place like Ohio State, Alabama, et cetera, you should pretty much be counting these as three-year scholarships for pretty much everyone. I mean, Bama's been doing that for years. Right, exactly. But Ohio State now, is it, with the free transfer era, it's going to be very similar. You're not going to find a lot of kids like Jalen Harris who want to stay for five years. Or Elijah Gardner, who said, oh, I just love being a college student at Ohio State. I'm just going to stay here forever. Like that does, That's not going to happen often. So most of these scholarships at this point, you should be looking at them as they're on this roster for three years because either you're good enough to go to the NFL or you're not good enough and you're transferring back home to Missouri. Let, like, me, uh, let me ask you this, Berm. So if I have an exclusive four-year agreement with, like, let's say, Roosters, sure. and after two years I want to transfer, mm-hmm. but that agreement is, implies that I have to be at Ohio State, how is that going to work? Well, it depends. As the, did you promise them, or did they promise you? I don't know. We signed something together, and now we're, no, no, no. Now we're binded and locked in. Doesn't matter. Contracts are null and void. Oh, okay. Nothing right. matters. Nothing matters anymore. It's good It's good that we have all these noted contract lawyer experts in on our show every single week. New, Uli's a nihilist. Uh, Must be exhausting. Yeah, great. Um, what did you learn in California, Berm? Well, I learned that Ohio State— Stay, all- out, of Malibu. Stay out of Malibu, Lebowski. Yeah. That's yeah. what you learned. <laughs> I'm glad that you took my Big Lebowski reference and ran with it. Thank you. Um, we're like, we're like Dan and it's Vito. It's dangerous. We're like, we're like going to happen to this. We're show like the Vito and Schwarzenegger. In the next no? ten minutes, we're like the Vito and Schwarzenegger. Um, <laughs> Twins, I like it. That's so another good one. What I realized is that Ohio State has old '80s and '90s movies. Can you guys plug in before the next? Wait till they get a load of me. <laughs> um, no, the, the the reality is <laughs> that Ohio State has really good players uh, also coming in that we haven't already talked about. C.J. Hicks is the best linebacker in America. The 2022 linebacker commitment from Dayton. He was unbelievable out there at the opening. Just he's such a unique prospect as far as the way that he's built and the way that he moves. Um, Keon Grays, who we're talking about wide receivers, I talked to a couple of the people in the 247 rankings, you know, industry uh, over the weekend. They they all agreed he was like a top 10 player in the country at, at the, his position. So you're going to see him get a, a ratings bump. Um, and then there's the uncommitted guys, which is what people really care about. Nobody Once a kid commits, everyone's like, oh, screw him. Who's next? Um, so that's where guys like Xavier Wampa, who continues to, to be. What about Branch, the branches? Zion was not there. Um, at the opening, they they had a team camp, so he was doing something stupid like working with his team. Mm. Yeah. Who would, would want to do that? Unbelievable. How do you promote yourself with a team? <laughs> it's a great question. Great question. 
Um, Twitter.com slash berm. Um, it, it's, <laughs> you know, the reality is that Ohio State is such a unique brand right now that those players go out there and they are not just – like there's a lot of kids out there, 100 and some, you know, prospects at this camp. Uh, not everyone is – identified with the team they're going to. But every time C.J. Hicks did anything, you'd hear Maurice Jones-Drew call out, oh, good job, Buckeye, good, good, good job, Ohio. Every single dig was about Ohio, 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 go Bucks or whatever. To, to him, to Grays, to Quinn Ewers, whenever Quinn did something good or bad, it was about, you know, Ohio State. It's about, oh, you just did that in the big, in the big house. You know, there's always these comments. And nobody else really has that sort of um, underlying theme. And I think it's kind of interesting because – the, the brand of Ohio State is so much bigger than pretty much any – I mean, it's bigger than the brand of Alabama in the recruiting world because the kids that go to Alabama are, are not really personalities in a lot of cases. They go there because they're going to churn out a championship and, and head off to the NFL. These kids that are going to Ohio State are always the biggest personalities there. C.J. Hicks, Keon Grays are like the, the Pied Pipers at any one of these events they go to, it's really fascinating because you really do see the difference in the type of people Ohio State brings in. And also pretty significant for name, image, and likeness to be identified that way too, right, Spencer? Yeah, and if you picked three guys to go to the opening that were Ohio State commits, I think the coaching staff probably would have picked Quinn Ewers just because he's the number one player in the country, C.J. Hicks, and Keon Grace because they people just gravitate to him. And, you know, everything Burma said, you know, he's got a picture, I think, of Keon Grace, C.J. Hicks, and Xavier Wampa walking together, I believe, as the three. And, you know, everywhere they go, they've got an uncommitted guy that they're trying to reel into the class with them. And that's exactly what you want if you're a coaching staff. You need these guys to really be after it because the coaching staff, you know, couldn't go on the road for so long. And these guys are kind of... We talk about guys putting together classes. You know, Jay-Z talks about how he was on the phone with guys trying to get them... These guys actually recruit for the school probably more than anyone ever has in this 2022 class, and it's impressive the way they do it. And Mark Pantone mentioned it earlier this spring. He said these guys are now the best recruiters that they have. The, the peer-to-peer recruiting has taken on and gone to a different level than it ever has before. Well, because you're going to listen to those guys, and they want to have a good class. Like the, be- the better players you have, the better your team is ultimately going to be, and those guys uh, truly understand that. Uh, you know, Let me ask you this. Is there any animosity, Berman, you're out on the West Coast? Obviously, there's you know, Maurice Jones-Drews out there. Uh, with from the Pac-12 schools, yeah, how much he's dreading with the Pac-12 schools. I can fa- always tell when I always feel like when he starts to, like that sort of line of questioning. I feel like there's going to be. Well, no, this is actually thing. real. This okay, isn't going to okay. be something that's <laughs> nefarious. Okay. Um, is there any? Is there any like? Is there any animosity out there with the Pac-12 schools? The fact that all their good players don't stay in the footprint anymore. I don't think there is because I think that they, they, don't, truly, they don't care. Because they, they number one, uh, the play, they didn't even know he was there. The players, <laughs> the players do care. The, the the guys that have that are from there that made it out there, they want those guys to stay out there. But I think the most of them understand that the opportunity is just different if you go to Ohio State or if you go to Alabama or Georgia or LSU. You know, it, Maurice Jones-Drew was screaming out to C.J. Hicks. The whole time. The, the, the rivalry that those two had was actually probably the funniest part of the whole weekend to me. Like, everything. Like, C.J. Hicks was telling him, come on. Like, you know, he was trying to get him to go out there and do a drill against him. And and Jones Drew kept yelling, I wanted to be a Buckeye. They didn't recruit me. I wanted to go there. <laughs> like, they're, they're, they do understand that there is something different there. And, um, you know, the guys that stay out on the West Coast, they take a lot of pride in saying, hey, we stayed out here and did something. And it's it's interesting. He stayed out here and went seven and five. <laughs> it's it's interesting though when you watch and you see C.J. Stroud show up at the last day there. He's obviously from right down the street uh, in California, and he's at Ohio State. And then you have uh, Bryce Young, 
uh, at from California who is at Alabama. You have uh, DJ Uyunglele who is from California who's at Clemson. The the three premier quarterbacks in the country are from a 10-mile radius of each other in Southern California, and they went to Ohio State, Alabama, and Clemson. And what you realize is that college football – must want to play in the playoff. College football is not a West Coast thing anymore. I mean, it's just these kids – there's going to be a push. USC is doing a good job trying to get some kids to stay home. But if Clay Helton loses his job after this if. year, if I like to, you know, asterisk, big if there, if he loses his job, it's wide open again. Oregon's doing a nice job. But as we found out with the JT2 and Maloa recruitment, does a kid really want to get up and have his parents say, oh, you guys got to get watch a 9 a.m. game? People don't want that. Are <laughs> you saying that the breakfast games aren't good for the pack? I'm saying that they probably aren't great. Especially the 9 a.m., 6 a.m. I mean, this is what's happening. It's remarkable. I think the biggest thing on the West Coast is we thought maybe that NIL, well, there were people who thought NIL might level the playing field for everybody. But Uh, the companies on the West Coast are, you know, the Googles of the world, the Microsoft of the world. They're not looking to sign the U.S. Big in in football. football. Yeah, they're not looking to sign a quarterback from Southern California straight out of They're high school and say, hey. Bags. But also LeBron James plays in Los Angeles. Exactly. Like if you have an opportunity, who are you, where are you putting your money? And you putting your money in LeBron James or, or somebody else on the Lakers or the Clipper, I mean, or the Rams or there's 17 pro teams in L.A. Like, and even in like, USC are not going to be a, a big part of that pitch. Even in the Pacific Northwest, Russell Wilson or the Sam Heward, the quarterback at Washington, are you going to sign if JT Tuimaloa would have picked Oregon? Are you going to sign him, or is a company in Portland going to sign Damian Lillard? Like it, the, it just looks easier for these companies. Why would we want to do that yeah. with these colleges? Plus, people just don't care about it on the West the Coast. There's no point this. to do it. Anyway. The difference is this: for a kid like JT Tuimaloa, he could have got sponsored by like the Chop Zone, though. Yeah, he could be. <laughs> it could be. You could just change the name. But a kid like JTT, he can leave Washington, he can leave Seattle and go to Ohio State and still become a celebrity at home. Yeah, You can't be from Ohio and go play at USC and then have the city welcome you when you come back. No. So that is the difference. I, I think that these kids understand from a brand perspective, you can leave a place like Seattle, go to Alabama, become a superstar, win a national championship, be a first-round pick, and the people at home are going to be like, yeah, welcome back, welcome back. You do that in Columbus, they're going to – Double birds. They're going to Marcus Hall you. <laughs> Marcus Hall. Um, before we get out of here, uh, Berm, you saw Quinn Ewers, and it, it seemed like just you know talking with you and reading your coverage that it was an up-and-down week for him. Yeah, I think that it's the expectation that is on him. It, when you put a perfect ranking on someone, a perfect quarterback ranking, a perf- six guys in 20 years have had a perfect recruiting ranking. Mm-hmm. How do you get better? How do you do anything other than criticize from there? And Quinn was not his best. He, he'll tell you that. Um I think it was probably very good for him to be around other quarterbacks who are good to realize that, hey, I actually have work to do and that some of the accolades and stuff that he gets are are based on projection, not necessarily just on where he is. But also, Quinn Ewers doesn't play seven-on-seven football. It's not something he cares about. It's not something that his coaches at South Lake Carroll want him to do because it's not real football. Um, Quinn Ewers is a football player, not a seven-on-seven quarterback. So in those sort of situations, and plus after five days of just throwing all day long, and it's not just him. And I don't mean to sound like I'm making excuses. All these guys' arms were dead on Saturday. So they had that seven-on-seven championship round, and everyone was dead. Why did they do that? I mean, they, you have all these quarterback gurus running this camp. Wouldn't they know the, the stress that they're putting on? You would think. And that the, the ironic thing was that on Thursday night, they did their pro day um, competition, which was essentially 20 throws starting at the one goal line, wor- working your way down the field. 
And they did that 20 throws over the course of like 12 minutes, all right? So you just slowly move, you go up, you set up the route. And then the next morning at 8 a.m., they have them out on this field doing this accuracy challenge, and they're literally throwing 200 passes in two minutes. Like, how many balls can you throw as, fast, as hard as you can? And I'm like, these guys left the field at 11 o'clock the night before, and we have them back out here at 8 a.m. And I asked a couple of the quarterbacks, I'm like, what do they do for you guys to make sure that, you know, your arms aren't getting ripped apart here? Cade Klubnick, who won the Elite 11, the Clemson uh, quarterback commit, he actually had a torn or a separated shoulder five months ago, right? So he's out here doing this, and he, he's like, oh, my, arm's, my arm feels dead. Like, they don't, have, they don't have any sort of setup for them to get massages or to make sure that they're being taken care of. So it's kind of on the quarterback themselves to make sure that they are, are taking care of themselves when they get back to the hotel. But they're only getting six hours of, you know, downtime a day, and that's at 11 o'clock after meetings are done, then they're back up at 6 a.m. So um, it, it really is designed to test them and to stress them, and it's not like just one of these camps that it's there for just promoting the brand. It's not a marketing ploy right. by Under Armour or someone else. I mean, this is they're, they're putting them out there to, to really run these kids through some, some work, and uh, they got a lot of it. Let me ask you this, Byrne, before we get out of here. Uh, oh, God, here we go. No, it's, it's oh, J- JTT's commitment. What did that do? To this recruiting class, as far as rankings go, the 2021 class it didn't yeah. change anything. What it did do is it made Ohio State's 2021 class the highest-ranked recruiting class in Buckeyes history. Okay, um, passing the 2017 class just by a couple points. Now that class had Baron Browning, Jeff Okuda, Chase Young, Wyatt Davis, Sean Wade, all five stars. So the 2021 class now has six five stars as opposed to the five that were in that group. Um, you know, with uh, JTT, with Jack Sawyer, with Donovan Jackson, Travion Henderson, uh, Kyle McCord, and who am I missing? Uh, Emeka Abuka. So now, you you know, you got six guys who are at the top 25 players in the country. Um, and it, it's certainly one of those things that sets it up. It's also the third five-star player from Seattle in the last three years that Ohio yeah. State assigned, which uh, – I didn't is, even know that Seattle had that many five-star yeah. players. Well, they actually had another because Sam Heward, the quarterback who went to Washington, is also so. – Two plugs for Sam Heward on this show. That tells me that we've probably covered hey, way too much. Sam Heward, if you're out there, <laughs> we're thinking about you. Too much. I wasn't, but uh, Spencer and Berm were – now Bobby can't get it, Sam Heward, out of his head either. We're all stuck with it. This has been another episode of Letterman Live. Great to be in here on Monday. Happy uh, Fourth of July weekend to everyone. Nicole Cox, thanks for having us. For Spencer, Berm, Bobby, I am Austin Ward. We will see you next week for more Letterman Live. It's a fun, casual joint. Come hang out.